It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hello, welcome to the Analyst Inside Cricket. Thank you very much for all your emails and tweets about the greatest innings you've ever seen in test cricket or one-day cricket or club cricket or whatever, any kind of cricket. We've had some really interesting replies and we'll look back at some of those in due course. We're also going to be previewing the West Indies England test series as well, which of course starts this week. But first, just a little... uh, sort of update on the riddle. The riddle, yeah. The riddle. I had a couple of people emailing in uh, about the fact that in this riddle, which was which batsman's left not out if all the batsmen are out first ball at the start of an innings, Mm. and the answer was number eight. But several people saying that's not necessarily the case if there's a run out. Yeah, they're right, aren't they? batsman crossed. They're right, aren't they? So just to recap, the answer was number eight because he came in... In at the end of the first over, and is non-striker for the beginning of the second over, so that's why he's left not out if all the batsmen are out first ball. But if there's a run out, mm. obviously batsmen shift, change ends, so it could be anybody really. Yeah. So sorry about that, but I mean, well, that's, no, that's no, a good I mean, little anomaly, isn't it? Well, that's that's the point. Though. I mean, there there are always things in cricket, aren't there? We say, ah, but what about that? Yeah. So that's absolutely. I mean, you're right. If if you'd if you'd catch the question in terms of if they were dismissed by the bowler I, and not run out, then it would have been number eight. Yeah. And it, and it, it could, I should have specified that in the yeah, question, really. And yeah. um, talking of sort of unusual incidents in cricket, they never stop, do they? Because today in the Big Bash, there was a delivery which had a, a sort of. Steve Harmison quality about it or lack of quality it was bowled by somebody called Arjun Nair a an off spinner and it was marginal whether it actually landed on the cut strip outside off stump and the umpires consulted for a while do you know why go on because if the ball doesn't pitch on the cut strip it's a no ball right instead of a wide and then it's a free hit yeah. so they had to discuss it and i think they looked back at the replay and realized that the ball marginally pitched on the cut strip and so they gave it as a wide well, so I, it wasn't a free hit I mean I've seen things in this 
season's big bash that I've, I've yeah. not Defied seen well, I've yeah. not seen in cricket, cricket matches yeah. before yeah. things like a batsman clearly being in on you know on a run out and being given out Mm. Uh, where there's no evidence yes, of being quite, out. Yeah. I've seen batsmen given not out and then walking and then the umpire raising his finger and saying that's out. I've seen balls disappearing under the advertising board in one ground to <laughs> just disappear. They had to get a new box of balls out. I've never seen that happen before. And, and today they had the bat flip, <laughs> which was so vigorous by this lady that it nearly took out the photographers. Yeah. Because she threw it about 20 yards. She should have been uh, uh, auditioning for tossing the caber. Yeah, and the other things I've seen about the Big Bash, I'll say some of the most woeful catching I've ever seen in any competition anywhere. And I, I, I almost include sort of third-team club cricket in that. It's been, the catching has been absolutely dreadful. I'd love to put yeah. a, a compilation tape together. It'd last almost as long as a Big Bash match. Run, run out of tape. So, Anyway, let's hope England cling on to their catches in the, the Caribbean in this three-test match series, which is starting this week. And... I mean, England have a few issues, don't they? One of which is the batting, for a start. And the other is the, bo- the, and bowling. the, other is the bowling. And, and the, the fielding. fielding. <laughs> no, well, the fielding should be all right. Yeah. It obviously takes a bit of time to adjust, having lost your first slip, Alistair Cook, who was there for forever. So, not easy. But then, generally, they're so well-drilled in the field, you expect them to be pretty good in the field. But... The batting and the bowling, what's the batting all going to be? Well, I suppose that's fairly set in yeah. stone, but can they produce better results than they did in Sri Lanka? Well, Burns and Jennings at the top of the order. Burns averaging mid-20s from his three test matches so far. He'll obviously get a bit of a, a chance to show whether he's a, a test match player or not. And I think there were signs in Sri Lanka that he has got something about him. It's taken a long time for him to be picked, of course, and he's been very successful in county cricket. He's almost the, the last cab off the rank in, in terms of who they put in at the top of the order. And then there's Keaton Jennings, the enigma, really, who played that fantastic innings in the first test match, 146 not out in Gaul, and then after that, 1, 26, 13 and 1. And although West Indies don't have the you know, the great fast bowling names of the past, of the 1980s and the 1990s, I'm sure Jennings will get tested out by this West Indies pace attack. Yeah, I agree. I, I really like Shannon Gabriel, actually, the way he bowls. He's, he, he reminds me a little bit of, although his, his action is better, he reminds me a bit of Sylvester Clark, who was this roly-poly figure from Barbados who bowled at the speed of light, never looked all that sort of threatening as a figure, but then when he let go of the ball, it was serious stuff. I mean, he clanged more lids than the local dust, dustman, definitely. And uh, Shannon Gabriel... How about yours? Did he hit yeah, you? Yeah, definitely. He hit me, yeah, Did he? for sure. I mean, I, I was close to dying, honestly, because I, I went out to bat. It was in the days when you were, didn't actually own your own helmet. And I didn't have a helmet. I went out to bat against uh, Sylvester Clark at the Oval. Uh, as I went into bat, someone said, don't be ridiculous, put a helmet on, and gave me theirs as they walked off. And third ball was clanged on the side of the head, by, on, the, on the temple. Left a horrible red mark on the side of the head. I know that you know, lots of people... In fact, Imran hit me twice in two balls, so I was a bit of a sitting target. But anyway, Clark was fantastic. He did hit practically everybody you ever played against. And Gabriel has that sort of deceptive pace... Very slippery, very strong upper body, and, and he swings it. So if he can keep his foot behind the line and, and, and just get a bit of rhythm, he could be a serious adversary. Kemar Roach is a good bowler. Jason Holder, they've been taking wickets cheaply. So they are 
a, a decent attack. Yeah, I see Desmond Haynes been saying, you know, we need to get back to four fast bowlers, four pace bowlers, and, a, and he said an occasional spinner. You know, that was the blueprint, wasn't it, for the success of the West Indies in, in the 1980s? Fast bowling and a bit of Viv Richards or sometimes Roger Harper, but it was those four fast bowlers. Mind you, you've got to have the quality of four fast bowlers. No good having, you know, four medium fast bowlers or fast medium bowlers who, who batsmen can knock away quite comfortably. You know, they've got to have quality about them. The other thing, of course, is the pitches and the ball. And the pitches in the Caribbean have been pretty slow lately, but I think there's an encouragement now from, in fact, Johnny Grave, mm. who's taken over as the West Indies chief executive, having been at the PCA in, in England for, for so long, of trying to get them to speed speed the pitches up, spice the pitches up to make cricket more interesting. And just he realises that it's got to be entertaining to attract the, the local population to come to the games, the test matches. And also the balls. They're using these Dukes balls, which the owner of Dukes, Dilip Jajodia, and he said basically the Dukes ball for the West Indies is similar to the English one. Nice prominent seam, good shine on it. It's a little bit more hard-wearing than the English ball with an extra coating on it, which means it's harder to shine, but then it keeps its shine for a long time. And the English guys have been saying it's been swinging for most of the innings. Well, I mean, that is, that's a really good thing. It does suggest the question, you know, why don't we use it all around the world if you have got a Duke's ball that is durable because I think that's part of the problem isn't it a Duke's ball you play on really rough surfaces say in I don't know the subcontinent or in, in Australia and it gets roughed up and it's, it's no good to anyone but if, you, if you've got a Duke's ball that's durable bring it on he says also interestingly that he's making progress with the Duke's white ball for right. ICC tournaments and World Cups, etc. I think it's too late for this yeah. World Cup because everybody's practised with the Kookaburra. But I think from this year onwards, we're going to see in white ball cricket probably more and more of the Dukes being used, which might just restore the balance a little bit between bat and ball. Those massive scores might just come down a bit. Yeah, we talked about England's top order while well, facing this Duke's ball. There's also, you know, number three, Johnny Bairstow, who's recently been put up there, got 100 in his comeback test match in Colombo. I mean, it's, it's a big call, isn't it? It's a, it's a big deal for him to be batting at number three, Some, you know, somebody he's not particularly familiar with. And it's almost as if he said, you know, with the success of folks down the order this this is your now your position you know you've got to make something of it yeah and it was always a safety valve having the the dual role wasn't it having the, the keeping as well as the batting now he hasn't got the keeping anymore and it must be a, a bit of a concern to him I, I would have to kind of psychologically keep an eye on him a bit because I think he will feel a bit sort of bereft and maybe a bit exposed actually just having the batting role, plus batting at number three yeah. rather than the, the cushy, the slightly more cushy role at number five as well. It's amazing, isn't it? You know, a year ago, or just over a year ago, he's batting at seven and keeping wicket in the Ashes, and now, what, 14 months later, he's England's number three without the gloves. Mm. I mean, I suppose the one reassurance for him is that there's nobody banging down the door in Test cricket mm. to get into that top three for England. He could end. He could end up opening, as we've sort of often said before. Potentially, he could. He could open. He opens in one day cricket. Not as easy a job, obviously, opening in Test cricket. But he's good enough to do it if he just tinkers with his technique slightly. Whereas the, the, the competition for places in the middle order or in England's one day batting order is obviously intense. What about this surface they're going to come up against in in Barbados? I've been reading a few reports about the 
the Barbados pitch, the Kensington Oval pitch, suggesting it's you know it's a bit scrubby. Uh, bit Looks of, a bit rough. Yeah, some grass and some bare patches. Mm. Suggestion it might uh, be a problem you know later on in the game. I'm just looking at the scores since the 2009 Test match, which was just a ridiculous game. Although Michael Holding actually said, "Come on, the bowlers, don't don't complain. Get out there and take the wickets." But most people thought it was a ridiculous game because England 600 for six declared, West Indies 749 for nine declared, and England 292 for two. I think there were lots of actually people who had tickets for that match. You know, you have tickets for all five days that in the end just stopped going. They got oh, this. This is too boring to watch. It's just a batting fest, and and gave up and went, went to the beach for the day. At least you've got that option, haven't you, in, in, in Barbados? But since then. The scores have been relatively low. And in fact, only two innings over 400 since 2009. There have been some low-scoring games. So if the pattern of that continues, then perhaps winning the toss could be important. Batting last might be an issue. Joe Root's won so many tosses of late that surely you know, it's time for him to lose one. I know it doesn't quite work out like that mathematically, but you, you, you feel that you know, there must be a, <laughs> a West Indies winning the toss around the corner somewhere. So you know, England could be under some pressure batting second. They haven't had a great deal of preparation time Jimmy Anderson saying you know we, we just make the best of what we've got we've had two two-day games that are, you know aren't even first class having said that the West Indies haven't had a huge amount of uh, first class action themselves most of their players have played one first class game in the regional competition although I know that Shy Hope Shay Hope hasn't played a single match um, you know, since he's been abroad touring with West Indies I, I presume I don't know this I presume they've been playing some club cricket but you know, so they you know they 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 haven't had a great deal of uh, first class cricket either, um, but that's the way things are these days. You know, you go into a test match pretty fresh, um, but we've seen in the past that players who haven't had a lot of practice, who have been just f- fresh, motivated, have, have done well. But uh, you know, there's the challenge for for both sides. And I think there's the feeling that you know England are favourites going into the series, but you know they 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 haven't had it all their own way in the Caribbean. They've only won one series since the late sixties, mm. and that was the two thousand and four series. Yeah. Harmison, as you mentioned last week, grievous bodily Harmison yeah. terrorised the, the West Indies in a couple of the test matches, but they haven't won since. I suppose, from England's point of view, seamers-wise, whether or not Curran plays instead of Broad, they will certainly back themselves against that West Indies top order, because even with the return of Darren Bravo, left-hander, decent player. There's nobody there apart from probably Shea Hope. There's nobody there you'd say, absolutely top-notch player, somebody I, I worry about you can take the game away from them. Whereas, of course, we have many examples of great West Indian batsmen of the past that featured in our greatest innings of all time discussion, which we're going to have after the break. Welcome back. We're going to turn to the best innings you've ever seen in just a moment, but not before I get your prediction for the West Indies England series. Three match series. Really short hard to call, isn't short it? Short and sharp, yeah. Very hard to call. I mean, nobody knows what the pitch is going to be like in St Lucia. Antigua, I reckon, will be pretty flat. Barbados, we don't know. So, I, I, well, England are better. I think 2 1 England. What about you? Well, that was that was going to be my prediction as well. 2 1 England. Well, you can have that. If okay, you want. We'll, we'll go 2 1 England. Okay. But I, I don't think they're going to have it all their own way out there. No. I, I think there's going to be a collapse somewhere. Well, you know, what, it wouldn't be England if there wasn't, would it? No. So, yeah, it's going to be quite a well contested series, I think, but England should come out on top. Yeah. I'd be very disappointed if they don't. Given it's also it's the it's the last test series of all the Ashes, isn't it? Really, effectively. Yeah, it is. Yeah, absolutely. There's a big gap, a big white ball gap, before 
the, the, the Ashes comes out. There's that one test against Ireland at Lord's Four Day. I suppose it, I mean it's a big match for Ireland. England will see it as a warm up for the the Test series against Australia. But I say one day gap. I mean you know there's tremendous excitement building with the with the World Cup coming up this summer. England have a one day series against West Indies and against Pakistan before then. Okay, let's turn to the best innings our listeners. Have ever seen. What was the best innings you've seen? Let's start off with that. You, you go with your best innings you've seen. I think the best innings I've ever seen, well, certainly live, was the Kevin Peterson 186 uh, in Mumbai, the second test of that series in 2012. The hard work was sort of done by Alistair Cook, who kind of blunted the attack at, at the beginning. But the way that Peterson just decimated a decent Indian spin attack in spin friendly mm. conditions. They had Oja, they had Ravi Ashwin, they had Harbhajan Singh. He'd been having his troubles against the left-arm spin of Yuvraj Singh as well. And it was incredible innings where he hit the ball to all parts. But I particularly remember how he slog-swept the left-arm spinner over deep square leg miles into the stand. And he also hit, I think, the off-spinner over extra inside out for six Mm. as well I mean it was an extraordinary performance of total destruction which the bowlers had no answer to and it it, for me what made it you know such a a great innings was that it turned the series around as well because England were 1-0 down and the combination of Cook and Peterson in that test plus obviously Swan and Panasar with the ball got England back to 1-1 and they they eventually won the series yeah I think the innings needs a bit of context as well because India batted first and they got two hundred. They made two hundred and sixty-six for six after the first day. And I remember speaking to an England player, you know, just a casual conversation after that first day's play, and he said, "Oh, I think they've got too many already." You know, and that so that give you, gives you an idea of what the pitch was like. You know, there was a lot of turnout there, and England managed to get over four hundred. So they had stunning innings from Peterson. He actually played three brilliant innings in that same year. We'll get to one of those in just a moment. What about yours then? I think best one-day innings I've ever seen was Kevin O'Brien in that amazing Ireland victory against England in Bangalore. The game was gone, 111 for five. They needed over 300 to win. You know, they were the, the minnows against uh, you know, England, one of the sort of established test-playing nations. It just seemed like a matter of time. And it was absolutely breathtaking hitting. You know, the innings of his life, the innings of many people's lives, really. Just sensational. And also, I was there live. We're talking about live innings. I mean... You'd have to go a long way to go past Ben Stokes's hitting in Cape Town, mm. 258. It was just the audacity of it. Mm. He just kept on going. He started and he didn't stop. Mm. It was like an extended mastermind, you know, question at the end. And, and, <laughs> it's, yeah, and, it's, and it started the night before, actually. Yeah, so I'm saying, yeah, so I'm saying, the night before, he, kept, he, he got going the night before, mm. and then next morning just kept on going. Yeah. Every, everything, it was one of those per, almost perfect things where everything you touch turns to gold. Mm. I, 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 the only reason I would discount that innings, I think, yeah. in the end, was because it didn't result in a victory. England, and, they lost. Yeah. <laughs> well, they, they, I mean, they said they nearly lost. They were in danger of losing. Yeah. It was also, of course, Johnny Bairstow's first yeah. Test 100 that game as well. But it was a tremendous innings. But I'm trying to use a bit of criteria to say what really qualifies it as a great innings is, is in a winning cause yeah. as well. So that probably discounts poor old Athers for his 185 not out in Jobo. We've got a couple of people voted for that. That, of course, uh, drew the game and has to be up there as one of the great innings. Let's... I, agree, I agree with that. I, rem- I remember that very clearly. I remember being in the BBC Sports Room in, in central London what you know? What, everyone was glued to it, watching it on the telly, and looking for the great escape. And when the game was drawn, 
and the Atherton walked off, and you were, you were conscious that all around the room, people were watching it on their little monitors. Everyone just stood up and applauded in the BBC Sports Room. Obviously, you know, it's just one of those instinctive reactions. It's weird, isn't it? Actually, because people, journalists, don't stand up and clap, do they? It's a very weird thing in the press box. Even it's the after, unwritten, it's the unwritten rule. Well, I suppose it yeah. is. Even you, you don't mm. sort of show any emotion when you're covering a game professionally. Yeah. You might if you're sitting in the stand, but yeah. it does look a bit odd when you see dramatic innings played and <laughs> batsmen raising their hands and the whole crowd's on their feet and all the press box are sort of sitting with their hands between their laps. It's slightly odd, but I sort of. I, I suppose I forgive I, them for it. No. Nobody, wants to, nobody wants to stand out like a sore thumb no. and stand up and applaud, do they? No, I think that's the way it should be. You, 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 you miserable well, soul. No, you're in. You're, you're in. No, I think you should clap. If you, I think you should clap if you if you think it's a good innings. You bloody clap. If, you're, if you're outside, I think not. If you're in the press oh, box, well, how, how dull is that? Anyway, <laughs> l- let's look at some of the, the ideas that you've given us here. Inevitably, we've got one vote for, for boycott. Is that, Mark is that from Jeffrey himself? Oh, it's from Mark Kirk. <laughs> it's right. a pseudonym, probably. Uh, boycott's hundredth. 100, yeah. given it was against Australia at Headingley, and they and he says, Mark Cook says, that they even delayed the six o'clock news for his on-drive mm. to get to his 100, his 100. And that, of course, is Boyk's his own favourite 100, mm. and he's no doubt got all the, the scorecards uh, in his house somewhere. Um, Mark Stewart says, I was in Antigua to see the start of Brian Lara's 400 against England in 2004, having subsequently gone to bed flown home across the Atlantic and gone to bed again, I woke up to find he was still not out. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Three days' worth. And you saw that live, didn't well, you? Well, we, we talked about it last week, that the, the fact that it was, it was relentless and remorseless. Hmm. Uh, he got there on the, before lunch on the third day, and it, it just felt inevitable. That was the other thing. It, yeah. just felt, it just felt inevitable he was going to do it. He was so determined to break Matthew Hayden's record. But it's, Hayden had broken it, his. it's sort of not... I'm not going to count that. Or not, not that I'm discounting it, but it doesn't get, for me, in the top five because, yeah. again, it wasn't in a winning course. No, it wasn't. The game was drawn. Although, I mean, but they, I remember Lara actually being criticised for, for going on and on because West Indies got over 700. Mm. But actually, they got into a winning position. They, they bowled England out, made them follow on. They had time, in theory, to win the game. But they, it was a very flat pitch. Talking of great match-winning innings, um, Steve McCarthy is one of a number of people who've mentioned Botham's innings in 1981 in that amazing epic Ashes series. And he picks out, Steve McCarthy picks out Botham's 118 at Old Trafford in 1981, where he says, My dad fell asleep in the morning watching Chris Taveray plod along, soon woke up when Beefy started hooking Lily into the Warwick Road. Yes, I'm sure that was true <laughs> of, of a lot of people. And um, Steve White and Mike Faulkner also mention the Botham performances in that that series, c- calling one of those innings raw, clean, irrepressible, yeah. which they were. Both of them turned matches, well, especially the 149 at, at the Headingley, turned the match. I mean, there was a, it was a bit streaky, that innings, but it was an extraordinary turnaround in the game. Well, the 149... Yeah, I mean it was it was yeah that was a that was a bit of a slogger's innings, wasn't it? I have a go, see what happens. Whereas the the the, the Old Trafford innings, yeah. there was a far more, bit more clean, clinical, yeah, really. far more clean striking. Yes, that. yeah, yeah. And of course, also, in fact, Jim Hawkins mentions another at yeah. both them hundred hundred and thirty eight uh, against Australia at Brisbane in eighty six seven, which sort of set England yeah. on the right path to winning that that series. The first time they'd won. The Ashes in Australia for quite a while, and the first, the, it was a long time till, till they won the Ashes again. Of course, after that series that Gatting captained, Ben Stokes is mentioned, two hundred and fifty-eight by Chris Hallam and Paul Newton. Uh, Nick Stewart, the Colonel, mm. uh, the famous auctioneer, 
and man who discovered you too. Uh, great friend of, of cricket and great friend of ours. He, he's nominated Gordon Greenwich's Double Hundred at Lords in 1984. Yeah, I mean, that was up there, wasn't it? Well, the amazing thing about that, of course, is that David Gale was getting criticised for declaring too late. You remember on the, yes. on the final, yeah. oh, England batting on on the, on the fifth day, they got no time to bowl the West Indies out, and the, the game was done, West Indies winning well inside the distance, England only took one wicket, and that was a run out, <laughs> and Greenwich made a stunning double hundred. Not out double hundred, mm. yeah, so that, I, I guess that's, that would be probably yeah. in my top five. Kapil Kulkarni and Ravi Sharma have mentioned VVS Latchman's 281, which I suppose is in the same bracket as both 149, mm. and it turned a a follow-on situation into a victory position. Uh, that was, must have been amazing with Lakshman and Dravid both batting the whole day together against an Australian attack, which had Warren and it had McGrath and it had Gillespie. So it was a, it was one of the best Australian attacks of, of the era and they totally took, took the game away from them. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're going to make some sort of adjudication on, on what's the best innings ever played you know, if we're able to do that I mean it's, it's, it's very difficult it's hugely subjective and you know there's a very good case for that being right up there yeah. at the top I mean a- absolutely incredible turnaround in that game yeah it was it was and it, it sort of it's made VVS Latchman a, a legend really just that innings and obviously his initials are as a result very very special well that that innings was yeah. astonishing talking of India Sachin Tendulkar has to feature didn't play actually that many incredible match winnings in test cricket but he did win the match straight after the Mumbai bombs when Kevin Peterson was captain of England which was a very emotional day wasn't it when mm. England had stayed on tour and come back and played these two tests and Tendulkar came up came into bat after Saywag had done a bit of early destruction and the whole country you felt a billion people were willing him on he was sort of doing it for them because they were in such a an emotional distress after the Mumbai bombs so it was a very important innings from a, a sort of social context in a way yeah it was it was incredible i think it's one of the best test matches i've ever seen I mean, Andrew Strauss made two hundreds in the match and ended up on on the losing side. England declared and lost. I mean, that was you know another factor in that game. It was Graham Swan's debut at two wickets in his first over. As you mentioned, Kevin Peterson was captain. And yet Saywag was the man at one man of the match. He didn't get a hundred. It was just the way he played at the start of his innings that sort of set it up. But yeah, I mean, it was a fine ten dollar innings. England sort of played into their hands a little bit. So yeah, a match winning innings in sort of dramatic. Circumstances or you know, remarkable context. But I can imagine actually, Corsaywag made at least two triple hundreds. I can imagine having never seen one of those that they would be up there for, for great innings, yeah. but we we haven't had anybody mention those, so yeah, these are yeah, we should we should emphasize to you know, Indian listeners that these are innings that people have seen, really. I mean, I'm sure you know, great innings are being played, that you, yeah. Let us know about them, by all means. I like um, Hamish Allen and John Whiting have nominated Lara's 153 against Australia in Barbados, chasing 311 and batting with the tail for much of that uh, run chase, which put uh, West Indies 2-1 up in the series. He had to put on something like 50 with the last two wickets, Ambrose and Walsh, to win in the end. And the West Indies won by one wicket with Lara 153 not out against, uh, again, a very... Tough, experienced and high-quality Australian attack. And we've got a couple of Kevin Peterson examples. The Headingley game is nominated by William Anderson, Joel and Mike Best, saying 
one of them saying Olympics overshadowed the innings, but it was an absolute peak piece of batting by KP, batting out of his skin, advancing down to the track to the greatest opening bowlers in the world and smacking him over deep mid-wicket. Well, he hit, he hit Stain for a six over wide long on, or long on area, from a short ball. It, it, I can still see it now. Stunning shot into the Kirkstall Lane end of the ground. Br- brilliant batting. And then, Brutal. Course, and then after that, of course, um, things turned rather yes. sour for him. Yeah. Andy Hills, Will Gould and Phil Cairns have nominated another Kevin, mm. Kevin Peterson. I think it's a perhaps more predictable one, the Oval 158 mm. uh, in that final Ashes Test match in 2005, which secured a draw. So in a way, it had as important an impact as a winning innings because it secured the Ashes for England for the first time for 18 years. Dropped early on by... Shane, Shane Warne, yeah. yeah. And also a brilliant decision by Billy Bowden not to give him out. Remember caught off the shoulder... The ball ballooned in the air, and the catch was taken. I think most people thought he gloved it, or or it come off some glove or bat. But it was off. It was off How the shoulder. How good was that innings? It was. Oh, it, was it was pretty. Yeah, it was pretty up there, it was wasn't special. It? Yeah, it was in stunning innings, really, because England were under pressure. You just yeah. sensed they they had they had Australia where they want them for, wanted them for most of the summer, and then you could all just you could just see it slipping away on that final day, and there's that that sense in the crowd. I mean, I wasn't actually there. I was working on the game. I wasn't actually at the ground. You had the sense of the crowd just feeling, this is all slipping away here. And then Peterson just turned it all around. And, you know, you went from potential gloom and doom as an England supporter to joyous celebrations. Patrick Wilford has has mentioned the Kevin Peterson uh, innings in Mumbai. So we've had a number of people Mm. suggesting Kevin Peterson innings, but from different test matches, which shows, you know, what an incredible impact he had on the game. Uh, Talking of South Africa, also... Ant H says Barry Richards, his 140 at Kingsmead in 1970 against Australia, 96 not out at lunch on the first day. That's that must have been a, a, yeah. a good watch. Uh, he was he was one of the players Sublime. that I did. You bowl at him? Yeah, yeah. I did. Yeah. He was one of the players I first started watching in, in county cricket. Mm. Uh, he just made it look so easy. Yeah. Well, I think it was almost too easy for him in county cricket, and he, he found it hard to really motivate himself. Incredible player, yeah. absolutely incredible. Just made made it look nonchalant yeah. the way he put the ball away. Is, is and he was years ahead of his time in his footwork, in the way that he, I might have saw him late cut a ball past leg stump in a one day game behind the wicketkeeper, late cutting it, and he he invented shots that. You know, we only now associate with the game regularly. He, he was playing those in the 1970s. And another South African, we shouldn't forget, really, A.B. de Villiers. Well, his 169 against Australia in 2012 in Perth, yes, a phenomenal innings in a run chase, chasing sort of 350, 360, and, and getting, the, getting the victory there, winning the, the series. Three consecutive reverse sweeps in the 90s mm. for four. That must have, been, must have been good to watch. Yeah. I didn't see that innings. I saw, I've seen some highlights of it. The innings I have seen of ABs, 149 off 44 balls <laughs> against the West Indies in a one-day game, 2015. Joburg, of course, where the ball flies that little bit further because of the altitude, and he hits 16 sixes. And 44 balls for 149. 31 balls for his 100. Yeah. I mean, that... That was a staggering performance. Absolutely incredible. Yeah. It's inconceivable, isn't it? Or it wasn't. It, it wasn't superhuman. Yeah. Superhuman innings. I mean, what? I don't know what. I don't know how you play a better innings than that. But possibly up there in the same sort of 
stratosphere is Viv Richards yeah. is 189, also in a one-day international against England at Old Trafford. We've had David Paul Shepherd, Jed Rogers, Ian Robbins and Jim Hawkins have all nominated that one. He put on 106 for the last wicket with Michael Holding, yeah. and he, who got 12. And they, West Indies got 272. Viv got 189, not out, which I worked out was 70% of the runs. Yeah. And the shots, some of the shots. I mean, one ball ended up on the railway station at Warwick, Warwick Road Railway Station off Derek Pringle. He hit Bob Willis backing away outside leg over extra for six. He was charging in, and that was and all with a you know little cloth cap on his head. Again, years ahead of his time. Yeah, I, I remember that things very clearly. I was at university at the time. I remember watching it on television. But I had a driving lesson about the time that West Indies were nine down. So I went out for my driving lesson for an hour, came back and turned the television back on and thought, hold on, is it, am, I, am I actually still watching the same game that I, that I left? Because you expected West Indies to be bowled out for 170 and England to be batting. And then, well, uh, it, it was, I couldn't, it's hard to understand what could have happened. Mm. You, you, know, you had to see the highlights to believe it. Did you, did you pass? No. <laughs> you took a long time to pass. Did you? How many how many attempts did you have at learning to drive then? More than one. Driving tests. More than one. More than two. More oh, than three. Re- remind me. More than four. Remind me not to travel <laughs> with you then. Do you know the worst driver I've ever travelled with, cricket wise, is some people might think Mike Gatting because he did go very fast. It was Aravinda de Silva. Was it? Yeah. Aravinda de Silva was an absolute nutter. He drove Atherton and I once up to Old Trafford from London. We, uh, he has a, has a flat just overlooking Lords, and he picked us up and drove us in a hire car. We were driving up the M6 in a very heavy rain. He was right behind trucks and vans and things in the, in the outside lane doing a high speed. I'm not sure exactly how fast, but he was right up, you know, the arse of the, tr- of the truck or car in front on the phone while, while texting. Mm. And Athers was in the back seat, lying down, didn't want to look. I was in the front seat trying to sort of... I'm trying to say, uh, Ari, can you just sort of watch the road, please? Because he was sort of turning away in a hailstorm and basically sort of looking out the window while texting. I, I had a, Absolute nutter. I had a drive a journey like that with Tuffers once. Did you? Yeah. Ter- Tuffers was driving? Terrifying, yeah. Really? Yeah. Anyway, let's get back to this. Um, so you mentioned Kevin O'Brien's innings, mm. who Dominic Kempster has highlighted, that 100 against England in the World Cup 2011, which, of course, Ireland won, the, that match anyway. Um, got what, some, what about some innings that weren't played international level? Yeah, well, there's a couple here. Um, in club cricket, Luke Hearn says Aaron Johnson's 157 off 75 bulls for Shepherds Bush CC. Now, I knew Aaron, actually. He was a good mate of the Jamaican sprinters, people like Usain Bolt, and he came along with them one day. He was almost a sort of bit of a representative of, of theirs, a sort of press officer of the, the Jamaican sprinters. He was also Jamaican, obviously, and he did really hit the ball phenomenally hard, played a few matches for Jamaica in the probably the early 2000s, I think. So that that must have been innings. And we, I, I like this one. We've had a nice email from Charlie Dagnall, of course, mm-hmm. our colleague on TMS, who says, Philip Neville's 196 not out as a 12-year-old against Knotts at Durham School in an under-14 festival. Out of 260 for one, Mark Chilton, 60 not out at the other end. So Dags, I guess, must have bowled him that yeah. game. He must have bowled at, at Phil Neville. Well, it was, it was against Knotts, so he, would he have been playing for Knotts yeah, then? 
Yeah, could well have been. We'll have to find out. Yeah. We'll, te- we'll tell you next week where, whether he was actually playing. I assume he was playing in that game, but that's a hell of a performance by Phil Neville. 196 not out in an under-14 game. Yeah. Wow. Of course, Phil Neville went on to play for Manchester United and Mark Chilton went on to play first-class cricket, but he was 60 not out against Phil Neville's 196 not out. What was he doing? <laughs> Maybe he's just giving <laughs> him the strike. Well, he might have hogged the strike, yeah. Lee Hooper says, for me, the best things I've seen live has to be Roland van der Merwe, 165 not out, in the Royal London Cup 2017 game, chasing Surrey's 291 and winning with six overs to spare. And he came in at 22 for five. Yeah, I remember watching that game on television. Absolutely stunning. And there's that sort of feeling with Surrey... The Surrey bowling attack, that you know, the game was all over, and then suddenly you just thought, hold on a second, 100 for five, they got, they got just a hint of a chance they can't do this, and they, they won it, no trouble at all, absolutely stunning uh, domestic innings. And then what about, what about this one? It doesn't have to be a huge innings actually to catch people's eye, does it? No, because somebody on Twitter who calls themselves four e six nine six seven six five c says Eddie Hemmings six not out, Benson Edges Cup nineteen eighty nine. Greatest innings in respect that it won knots the title with a four off the last ball required in almost darkness. Massive score, no, exciting and memorable, definitely. Yeah, well, that, that, I think that's a nice def- idea. Yeah, definitely makes the cut. Thanks very much for that, even though we don't know your name, just know your number. <laughs> <laughs> and I, there's some great stories here. We, I'm just going to read you a couple of emails because we've got some nice couple of stories here about yeah. great innings that people have seen, which you wouldn't necessarily think of. Edward Eamond says, the best innings I've seen in person was a teenage Alistair Cook's 214 against the touring Australians during the 05 Ashes. I was a junior member at Essex, costing £7.50 for a whole season, bargain, which meant I got a free ticket to the Australians' warm-up game before the fifth test, mm. and he played that innings against a, a decent attack of Brett Lee, Jason Gillespie, Sean Tate and Stuart McGill. Uh, both he and Ravi Bapara hit sparkling hundreds, Essex racking up 500 in a day. It was a few months before his test debut, when, of course, he made a test tonne. And in this particular match, he was querying why we wanted his autograph, as he was a nobody, Mm. in quotes. Nice. Then Andrew Breed in here says, Gentlemen, it was the summer of 1985. I really like this story. Gentlemen, it was the summer of 1985, and I was playing for Sussex Second Eleven at Hove in the equivalent of the old Benson Edges Cup one-day 50-over tournament against Essex. They batted first, and we had them 11 for two after 10 overs. It was in the days when Australia sent their four best youngsters as an SO scholarship to play Second Eleven cricket for a county. As their number four walked to the wicket, our scholar, Tony Doddermaid, said to all of us, this chap can play. Right, so we then have Adrian Jones, a big huffing and puffing Adrian Jones, quick bowler, coming down the hill, twice getting this batsman edging, and an easy catch to Neil Lenham at slip. Both of them went down. And Quincy, who they they used to call Adrian Jones Quincy, his reaction would have been very severe, especially the second time, apparently, when Neil Lenham dropped this batsman the second time, this time both the batsman and Lenham got a big mouthful from Adrian Jones. As we crossed ends at the end of the over, we turned to Doddermaid and said, I thought you said this bloke could play. 39 overs later, and against a bowling attack of Adrian Jones, Dermot Reeve, Tony Doddermaid, and Carl Boyermeister of Eastern Province, and myself, this is Andrew Breeden talking, the chap who can play walked off 200 not out. Remember, this was before 2020 had been invented. 
The batsman was 20 years old and I followed his career avidly for the next 15 years. Despite having watched a vast amount of cricket in the ensuing 30-odd years, I still consider this the greatest things I've ever seen. The batsman's name... Well, I thought it was Mark Waugh. That was my guess, but it wasn't, was it? Steve Waugh. It was Steve Waugh, yeah. Wow. Really nice, really nice story, that. So thanks, Andrew, for that. Uh, Must have been... Pretty harrowing experience. And actually, for, for War's reputation as a bit of a, a turgid batsman, I remember bowling to him when he was playing for Somerset in a one-day game, and it was my worst ever figures in a one-day match. I tried to bowl Yorkers at the end of the innings, and he just kept making them into full tosses by coming up the, up the pitch or going right back on his stumps and making them into half volleys. And I conceded something like 75 off my eight overs in a 40-over match. And War got an amazing hundred, and I'd never seen timing and footwork and placement actually of of the ball quite as good before. So that actually would be up there for for me in one of my favourite innings. Steve War in a in a one day game, what knocking you all over the some, park, knocking me. I know that doesn't take a lot of doing, <laughs> but still, there were some other decent bowlers up the other end, and they couldn't do any better. Thanks very much for all your emails and, and tweets about the, the best innings, the greatest innings you've ever seen. I hope we've uh, gone through uh, most of them. What, what, what are you going to say is the, the best innings that has, has been played? Yeah. Uh, it's, a, it's an almost impossible question uh, to answer, isn't it? But out of that list, out of the, the emails that we've had and the suggestions I, I mean, we've actually, had, one we haven't mentioned, and I should just refer to it, and because it it's always gets quoted, is Graham Gooch's yeah. 154... At, at Headingley against a, a phenomenal West Indies bowling attack, 1991, on a difficult pitch. So, and that, that secured England a victory as well, eventually. So that's a very important innings. That, for me, or Brian Lara's 153 not out against Australia in Barbados, partnering the, the lower order and getting an amazing victory. I think those two for me. Or VBS Laxman against the Australians. Yeah, yeah I, I, but... It didn't see a team home, so... So on the think, chase, you think? I think maybe on the chase. Well, not the Gooch's didn't either. Gooch, Gooch's was setting yeah, up as enough. well. So it's, it's such a difficult question to answer. There have been many brilliant innings. Let's hope we get some in the Barbados Test Match and in the West Indies England Series. We'll review that next week. Thanks very much for, again for all your emails and tweets, and we'll speak to you again in a week or so's time. Goodbye for now. Thanks for listening. Podcast Network. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.